Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you with Hello you and to welcome depend to the on, cast, I'll never quit. There isn't a murder I couldn't commit. I feel like a lovely girl of 22. In the theater, who you might see on stage, backstage, or in the house, to discuss an original cast album they love. And today, we are joined by, we didn't discuss what to call you, so I'm just going to go straight into your name. It's John Delaporta, everybody. Hello. Hi. John, yes. how you doing? We you are an, an what? Call me an, an actor. An actor, okay. A director, a uh, grad student. Okay, grad um, student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and any and all things. Back from, from, the, uh, from the West Coast, yeah. here for a couple days. Yep. Stopping on by yeah. to talk about yep. stuff. Tell the folks what we're going to talk about today. Well, the 1993 revival cast recording of Guys and Dolls. Yes, sir, when you see a guy reach for stars in the sky, you can bet that he's doing it for some doll. When you spot a John waiting out in the rain, chances are he's insane as only a John can be for a Jane. When you meet a gent paying all kinds of rent for a flat that could flatten a Taj Mahal. Call it sad, call it funny, but it's better than even money. That black guy's only doing it for some doll. When you see a Joe yeah. saving half a And J.K. Simmons and Ernie Sabella and Peter Gallagher and Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. Yes, right, of course. Someone else has read Sarah Val. Uh, and, um, and Josie de Guzman. Josie de Guzman, that's right. Yes, yeah. um, who Wikipedia tells me was fresh off that uh, very popular uh, West Side Story revival. Right, but she's so good in this yeah, recording. Yeah, she's terrific on the recording. Like, she's she has personality. She's funny. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan of, like, a funny Sarah. Mm-hmm. So how did this show come into your, uh, to your sphere? Okay, so... Um, the reason I kept coming back to this one while I was deciding is that it's kind of, it feels like ground zero for me in terms of Broadway cast recordings. Like, uh, when I was uh, a kid, um, when first really getting theater music in, in my um, in my brain, like, we used to have, like, this stereophonic stereo in our, our family room at home, and, like... Uh, if I could pick like any album out of the blue to talk about, it probably would have been Michael Feinstein's uh, Pure Gershwin album. Oh, okay. With everybody's mixed opinions of that, but it was very influential. And then the other thing we listened to was Guys and Dolls. Mm. I mean, it was of that era. Like I first became familiar with it probably a couple of years later once I had seen The Lion King. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously anything involving Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabella together on right. the same recording was... That's right. Like, this was amazing to me. It's like, oh, my God, these people's, these voices are doing something else. Yeah. Um, so, and, um, like, it, it, it imprinted on me in an interesting way. Because, like, I, I think about this all the time, how there are certain things we hear in childhood that, like, are neither good or bad. They're just the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think John Williams is a good or bad composer of movie scores he's just john williams mm-hmm. that's just what movie music sounds like you know what i mean right yeah so sort um, of the standard that you get because it's what you heard when you were exactly whatever age yeah. yeah and like faith prince is just what like faith prince is just what 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 broadway belting sounds like to right me. like and nathan lane is just funny and is a character actor mm-hmm. so uh it imprinted on me in this very deep way and 
like uh, it was one of the first recordings where I like looked at the back of the album and I knew like a lot of the names. Like I felt like such a hipster when Spider Man came out a couple yeah. years later, and I'm like, I know who that guy is. That's J.K. Simmons. I <laughs> see. That's funny you say that because I, I mean, obviously I had the recording, um, and it, it's an iconic recording. I think a lot because of the logo. Yeah, I mean, that logo was everywhere. That logo, it's the now it's like the official MTI. Logo yeah, and it too. was the, this is the the sort of result of Cameron Macintosh, I think's influence on like every show has a logo. So like, you have like Les Mis and and Miss Saigon and Phantom. These shows have and Cats have very yeah. distinctive logos that go with the show. Mm-hmm. And whoever designed the Guys and Dolls logo for the '93 revival got it. Yeah, right like, away. Like, it is what is it? The, the awesome. popping colors and like yeah, the, the, and the pair dice, of dice in the middle, there. and it it also suits the sort of design aesthetic of the show, which was very kind of big and bold, yeah. and colorful and, and wide lapeled and big suits yes, and that and whole yeah. From what I understand, that was like kind of it's um what made it iconic too is that it kind of redefined guys and dolls in that way mm-hmm. too. Like I believe it. Like looking at the movie, the movie is just kind of, is surprisingly kind of uh, muted. As it yeah. were. Like, there's some, you know, stylized, you know, Michael Kidd did the choreography, so it's obviously stylized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Kidd. Um, and, uh, but it, it, like, it, my, my high school theater director, we, who picked that show for our senior year to do, um, he said that it, it, they, they cracked Guys and Dolls because they figured out how to make it a cartoon. Like, and that was kind of my introduction to, oh, so style is a thing. Yeah, and it's it is very, I mean, it's a heightened kind of style mm-hmm. um, that is just, uh, it, it's so sort of like hyper realistic. I always feel like because this it, and it feels more true to the, the source material to me, because I don't yeah. get the sense that the Damon Runyon stories are. No. accurate <laughs> depiction. I mean, these are the nicest gangsters you're ever yeah. going to meet in your entire life. All they life. want to do is gamble. All right. they want to do is roll and very, But kind of gamble in a very sort of like friendly, they're betting on cheesecake and like they're yeah. betting on, this, you know right. what I mean? There's no real threat of violence yeah, in this like, show. All they want to do is just like roll dice and like they go down to a sewer and there's like, there's no threat until like there's well, like, there's Big Julie, Big Julie like, but his threat is just leaning. Like, all he does is lean <laughs> over people, and he's just very large. Like, and that's his whole, which is, you know, intimidating, but he doesn't have a gun. You right. know what I mean? He doesn't pull on people. And the one staging thing I know from the from that production is that, like, whenever Herschel Sparber would sit, they everybody else in the ensemble would do a little bounce. Yeah, right, to just, make it yeah, yeah, like, feel like he'd shake yeah. in the bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it is, it is just plain... Fun. I know that. I mean, the show was a hit when it was original, and yeah. it was obviously a huge movie. Though the movie is, as you say, it seems to take itself very seriously. It was well, sort of the what I remember from when I was a kid. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years. Like, it's. I mean, well, you have Brando, just kind of like know, method, Sky like, Masters, just like method acting Sky, and then you have the world's best casting choice for Sky Masterson playing Nathan Detroit. Right. Yeah. Because Nathan Detroit is ostensibly the lead, but there is no real lead in this yeah. show it is a real it's like a four-hander it is it is a four-hander and a very yeah. and it feels like a very balanced mm-hmm. four-hander which is very unusual for this time period i know i know it's like you have basically you have your comic couple and your romantic couple and then you have the big and then the biggest showstopper in the show is just some other guy right yes the big <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point the real the the big show-stopping number well there's two back to back i mean this is one of those well, sure yeah, so we should. I I I have been I have been asked to give more synopses 
in these oh. shows because uh, I've stopped doing that and, <laughs> and I've been asked to do it again. I'm full esoteric on this I, one. I have. So, but I don't think this show requires much of a synopsis. Uh, yeah. But if you want to give it a crack, go sure. ahead and take a shot. So uh, we're in some nondescript period of mid-century New York City. At least... It has to be at least 1948 because there's a lyric about watching television. Oh, okay. So it has to be at least 1948. So we're yeah. sometime in 48 to right. the post-war, post-war America. America, Times Square, New York City. Nathan Detroit is the head of a floating craps game in New York City. And he is looking for a place to have it, um, especially since he's got heavy shooters coming in town, including Sky Masterson. Who is the biggest shooter of them all? Right, and um, he makes a bet with Sky to try to seduce. Well, he can't find a location. Yeah, he can't. Fi- he, he can't I, find a place for the crap game. He's supposed I to have it at this. Can't remember you the can't remember? Okay, that's fine. Details. So he can't find a location for the for the crap game. So he he needs a thousand dollars. Oh right, to right. get it in the back of the Biltmore garage. The Biltmore garage wants a grand, but we ain't got a grand on hand. And they've now got a lock on the door of the gym at PS84. There's the stock room behind McCluskey's bar. But Mrs. McCluskey ain't a good scout. And things being how they are, the back of the police station is out. So the Biltmore Garage is the spot. But the 1,000 bucks we ain't got. And they don't have it, which has the great lyric. If we only had a lousy little grin. Great lyric. Good job, Frank. Uh, oh, <laughs> Frank Lesser is just the best he is. Um, Pulitzer Prize winner Frank Lesser. So then he bets Sky in order to get the money. He bets him a thousand dollars because Sky's going to Havana. He bets him a thousand dollars that he can't take any woman he wants that Nathan picks. Sky bets him he can, and then he picks Sarah Brown, who is the leader of the local church yeah. sort of mission, outreach, mission, nondescript like the Christian mission. The Salvation Army esque missionaries. Sky sets about. Seducing her to go to Havana. I don't remember how he gets her to go to Havana, but he does. I, I think he may, I, he doesn't sing it like it's a. It, so I don't remember. He's a ploy. I mean, there's a ploy yeah, to get her to go it's to Havana. Part of the El No scene, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think he impre- the, the other her problem is that the general for the area is coming to town to check on her mission and might close her down. Right. And she's not doing well. Oh, so he does something. Says something about how he. I think he offers to help her save the mission somehow. Okay. Like, I think he. Sure. I, Let's just say yes. Okay. So anyway, she goes to Havana uh-huh. with Sky, ostensibly costing Nathan a thousand dollars. But in the process of going to Havana with her, they fall in love, uh-huh. and so Sky comes back and doesn't pay Nathan the thousand dollars, but he also doesn't collect mm. on the bet, which is very important. And then, so they end up having the craps game in the sewers, right? Which is that great sewer, the crap the shooters crap dance, shooters and the great yeah. like sewer set. And then Sky, after having told Sarah the truth, has kind of lost her. So to gain her back, he rolls at the craps game a marker, his marker of a, I think a thousand dollars for everybody in the craps game against all their souls, and he oh. has to roll on one roll. <laughs> which of course he makes because otherwise that would be a very bad ending to the show. <laughs> they go dark. to the mission. He saves the mission. They sing Sit Down You're Rock in the Boat. And then the other plot that's been going on that we've neglected entirely oh, is, is that, that Nathan Lane's involved with his – he's been engaged for 14 years to Adelaide. Yes. And they get married at the end of the show basically yeah. after some very minor problems. But one of my favorite songs – Yes. Which – so now we discussed before. So you and I both went to Catholic University. Right, right. And we discussed before we sat down that I didn't remember what year you were and you – 
were a freshman the year after I graduated. Yes. Uh, when I was, I believe, a junior, uh, Faith Prince came to Catholic and oh. gave a master class, oh. which was wonderful. Um, and uh, she was lovely. I don't know why she was in town. This would have been 2000, probably. Well, she is lo- I've seen her in concert. I saw her at okay. Center Barbara Cook Cabaret a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's amazing. She's, she's so much fun. Incredible. And that recording barely does justice to why she's so good. Yeah. Like, you you hear her voice, and you're picturing this larger-than-life, um, and I mean, she is, but you're picturing this kind of larger-than-life, like, shtick. Mm-hmm. And yet, most of the time, like, she does Adelaide's Lament everywhere she goes. Right. Like, I saw a YouTube video of her doing it in a Leading Ladies concert. Yeah, it's her song. Um, it's her song now. Yeah. In other words, just from waiting around for that plain little band of gold, a person can develop a cold. You can spray her wherever you figure the streptococci work. You can give her a shot for whatever she's got, but it just won't work. If she's tired of getting the fish eye from the hotel clerk, a person can develop a cold. Yes, absolutely. And, um, but she's so still. Mm -hmm. And she's so just nuanced in how she's doing it. Yeah. Just like using her eyes in an interesting way. And like, I think that the whole, the little business of tendency C note and the yeah. little blah, 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 I think that's just her. It says here, the female remaining single, just in the legal sense, shows an erotic tendency C note. Tendency C Oh, see, no. Oh, oh, here we go. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's all her. Yeah. Um, but she's just, she's so gifted at just being this woman. And, yeah. like, knowing not to play her, like, the voice and the character makes you think that you could just play this kind of dumb, broad kind mm-hmm. of thing. But she's so good at playing Miss Adelaide's intelligence. I'm a person can develop log rip, log rip. La post-nasal drip With the wheezes and the sneezes And a sinus that's really a pimp From a lack of community property And a feeling she's getting too old A person can develop a She plays Adelaide's Lament Totally straight. She does. She doesn't treat Adelaide like a fool. Yeah. Or to some bimbo showgirl. She has a genuine issue. I remember when I was a kid, I saw this show. I was twelve or something. Did you see they brought? The no, revival? I didn't. I wish I had. Uh, the Cab Calloway School for Performing Arts in Wilmington, Delaware, did it, which was a grade school, mm-hmm. and they would do serious shows. And they probably still do. And that's where I saw it. I knew nothing about it. I just I knew a bunch of people in it, so I went to see it. And went and bought the CD sort of like right after seeing it. Oh, nice. And I remember trying to explain to my mother what Adelaide's deal was and that she has this cold, but it's not real. And my mom kept saying, because she's a hypochondriac. And I was like, no, 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 she's not a hypochondriac. The thing I couldn't articulate to my mom when I was 13 was that the difference being that a hypochondriac doesn't think they're faking. A hypochondriac 
believes they're sick and isn't. Yeah. She is physically, she's having psychosomatic reactions, which is in the lyric. Yeah. Which I just couldn't pull out. And she's like diagnosing it in the song. She knows what her problem is. Uh Yeah. Is that she wants to get married. But she doesn't ever play that poor me moment. Yeah. Yeah, She's very actively like, oh, I got this. Yeah. Oh, this. And furthermore, like, like there's a point, I think Faith Prince does this and maybe it's common in all productions where she shuts the book at a certain point. She's Mm -hmm. like, and furthermore, here's even more clever Frank Lesser metaphors that I can throw out just from my own brain. Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing. It's a really, and like you say, like the, the women in this show are not very deep and it's really nice to see them, in this production, mm-hmm. fleshed out by the performers who perform, they're given the chance to sure. really make them, but, give them depth and give them breadth, where they I, could just like have a funny Sarah instead of sure. sort of stick up, stick in the butt Sarah. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and I mean, if I were a Bell, is you know your classic. This is yeah. your Sarah's chance to be kind of funny, right. Moment, mm-hmm. but but Guzman brings that personality throughout the whole thing. Um, that the 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 song I have to. Before you finish your thought, the song right before that doesn't age very well, though, on this recording. Which I have one? To say. Havana? The Havana number. Oh, you mean where he's basically where he gets getting her, her drunk? Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's partially it's very... exonerated by the fact that he doesn't do anything. Afterwards. No, it is. But but he does get her drunk. <laughs> How about a drink? Milkshake, please. Dulce de leche. These are delicious. What did you call them? Dulce de leche. Dulce de leche. What's in it besides milk? Oh, sugar. And a sort of native flavoring. What's the name of the flavoring? Bacardi. It's very good. I think I'll have another one. The dialogue is very funny. It is, except it isn't. Except (laughs) it's not anymore. It's not funny. But I mean, it wasn't, this is a big thing. Like it really, that's bad. You know what he's doing? It's really bad. Now you're right. He doesn't do anything about it. And it is this sort of interesting moment of, (laughs) of her drinking does do that thing where it loosens her up and lets her have a good time. Sure. But that's also not good. That's so, not, it, yeah, yeah, it's not great. It's not. Frank, Frank Lesser has found himself in the center of many controversial yeah. female centered yeah. musical numbers. Well, he's a, he's a product of his time, well, sure. to be certain. But I, yeah, it's a little. Meh. But I it do makes think me very uncomfortable. <laughs> what's weird is that, like, I think that in, like, because we're, we're talking also about, like, uh, Baby, it's cold outside, and uh, well, yeah, and uh, uh, probably Rosemary as well. Um, uh, happy to keep his dinner warm, and I th- yeah, but I would say that happy to keep his dinner warm has an overt yeah, an overt uh, satire to it with well, sure. lyrics like I'll be there waiting until his mind is clear while he looks through me right through me. Waiting to say good evening, dear. I'm pregnant. What's new with you from downtown? Oh, to be loved by a man I respect. To bask in the glow of his 
perfectly understandable neglect. Grassy, like she, yeah, all it, she cares it, about is downtown. It's so hyper, so hyper. Yeah. It's so, it's so exaggerated. Yeah, and I think that like having Jane explain, like teach us to mm-hmm. listen to music in that particular way makes that ve- feel makes that feel very clear to me. In that okay. case, like. Like, like every time she says downtown, it's like, bah, 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 yeah. or like, and you're like, okay, I, I know where this woman's head's at. Yeah, like, exactly right. It's her I want song where she it absolutely is, is yeah. singing about right. what. And other Catholic University graduate Rose Hemingway got to uh, sing, sings it on the recording right, of the revival. Mr. Right, Daniel with Mr. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, a little, uh-huh. ma- little actor you might have heard of. But yeah, so that, that moment is a little problematic to me. But you, but you are absolutely right. I mean, the song If I Rebel is... is Great! It's yeah. such a great yeah. release song for that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then of course they they have the she's all that moment where she finds out it was a it was a bet, right? <laughs> and then she gets mad, which she should. Yes. she should get mad. Mm-hmm. Um, which, but you know, then they, he has to be on the road, the road to redemption. Yeah, of course, as Obadiah of course. Masterson. I mean, yeah. I mean, that is that is a great uh, but close to intermission though. It's just like mm-hmm. you know that sky just alone on stage, like oh yeah. no. Well, after the song, I mean, it's really it's an interesting choice not to end on a song either because mm-hmm. it has um, uh, my time of my, day. I've never and then and I've, I've never, never been, been in love, love before, before, which is a, a gorgeous, gorgeous Frank Luster song. song. That is yeah, not in the movie. Nope, not in the movie because um, Marlon Brando can't sing, so we're just not going to put that. I mean, he kind of he and mumbles his way through "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck, if you've ever been a lady to begin with, luck be a lady tonight. Luck, let a gentleman see how nice a dame you can be. I know the way you've treated other guys you've been with. Luck be a lady with me. <laughs> Who would have thought Peter Gallagher could at the time? Like, well, I didn't know him as a musical theater guy. Yeah, and it was this was his return to Broadway after a long break because he was in Greece. Oh, really? I don't know if he was in the original production of Greece, but he, I mean, he, I'm sorry. I don't know if he was in the original cast, but he right. was in Greece. Mm-hmm. Greece ran forever. You have oh, to sure. <laughs> and um, he then did uh, a couple other things, but he famously, his last Broadway show before this was A Doll's Life, which is Hal Prince's ill-fated musical version of Ibsen's A Dollhouse, which ran for six performances, I think. Famously disastrous production. <laughs> um, so after that, he was up and out to Hollywood yeah. and like never never came back to the stage until this show lured him back sure, uh, sure. to New York. And so. what Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck, if you've ever been a lady to begin with, luck be a lady tonight. Luck, let a gentleman see how nice a dame you can be. I know the way you've treated other guys you've been with, luck be a lady with me. Oh, absolutely. And what good casting, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and great And great casting among... The people. I mean, him and Nathan Lane are funny together, and mm-hmm. him and you know all the other subsequent characters. Sure. Are great. Like, yeah. it's it's I can't. I, you you mentioned Nathan Lane just reminded me that this is kind of the thing that was this the, what really made him. Like, this is what this is the show as I understand it that made him a household name. But okay. Nathan Lane was a New York star. All through the eighties. Okay. He was kind of a rising. They mm-hmm. just put online. Somebody just put up. The callback list 
for Little Shop, the original off-Broadway production. And on the callback list for Seymour, it, one Nathan Lane is one of the people. And Faith wow. Prince is one of the callbacks for, uh, well, actually, for Audrey. She tells that story in her uh, her in her uh, concert. Oh, as okay. Well. Mm-hmm. About auditioning for Audrey? That yeah. would have been an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. So, there, and everybody, it's a funny list. If you can Google it and check it out, it's a funny list. There's eight people on it, and all of them are people you've heard of. That's crazy. It is an amazing call. But he did, I think, be, right before this, he did Neil Simon's play, Laughter on the 23rd Floor. Okay. Where he played Sid Caesar. So he was a big enough name for that. He had been doing New York theater mm-hmm. for years. And Faith Prince told the story to us in the master class that uh, she had done a play with Nathan Lane off-Broadway, I believe, um, and it had gone horribly. And the two of them especially had not gotten along. And when she was cast, she was told, you know, Nathan Lane's already been cast as Nathan Detroit. And I think she said they asked her if that was going to be a problem. And she said, you have to ask him. Like, it's not a problem because she really wanted to play the part. Uh Uh-huh. And, he, you know, so the first day of rehearsal, apparently, she was very nervous and she went and he just walked up to her and gave her a big hug. Mm-hmm. And they were fine from that that time out. And so that that's a, which is a very lovely story for her yeah. to tell. But, I yeah, he was that. around for a really long time in New York. It sure. was after this that he became much more of a household name sure. and then got Lion King Lion shortly King. after that. And, and then, then Birdcage. And then right Birdcage. And then that led to Nathan Lane being the Nathan Lane we all we all know we and love, love today. Um so, I mean, he has such a distinctive sure. voice, just such a distinctive voice. He has, but he also has this uh, distinctive delivery. Like, Nathan Lane has this talent of delivering lines in such a way that you can't imagine them being said any other oh, way. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is the joke, and mm-hmm. there's no other way to say this joke. Like, yeah. I th- I, I, the thing that keeps coming to mind is on the recording, the... Nathan, why can't we elope right now? Because, well... I got to go to a prayer meeting. <laughs> <laughs> this show, I'll tell you what, it is a big complaint of mine, especially for shows of this era, which this show was written and originally produced in 1950. There's a real problem with a lot of classic Broadway shows that act two is like, like it's a two hour show and act one yeah. is 70 minutes long and has all your favorite songs in it. And yeah. then act two is you know, 50 minutes long or shorter Uh and just like has two songs in it you've heard of and one of them's the finale. Mm -hmm. But this show and also um, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, I have to say, are very balanced. Act two has two classics of the American musical theater. It has Luck Be a Lady and Sit Down, You Rock in the Boat. It has Sue Me. It has Marry the Man Today. Mm -hmm. And it also, though, has, I will say, my least favorite song in the show, (laughs) which is More I Cannot Wish You. (laughs) Okay, the one we skip. Mansions I can wish you, seven footmen all in red, and calling cards upon a silver tray. But more I cannot wish you than to wish you find your love, your own true love this day. Everybody skips that song. Oh, it's beautiful, but it is a lovely song. Yeah, but I don't care what he thinks. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't care what that character thinks, which is a real problem when your character has one song. It's a problem that uh, sure. there's a song that was cut from um, Night Music called "Silly People." That Frid sang, the the butler to Madame Armfeld. Voices glide by, then them pass. 
Let them float in their words till they slowly drown. Don't they know, don't they, what they want? Silly, silly people, patient and polite, trying in their teacups, shying from the night. And, the re- and how Prince said they should cut it, he didn't even think Sondheim should write it because he said no one's gonna, no one cares what this person thinks, mm-hmm. and he was absolutely right. Whereas the contrast of that is um, uh, Miller's son, which we care. I mean, we absolutely care what that character has to say yeah, in that absolutely. moment because she has been fascinating, and we need to yeah. know how she feels. Like about she's things. always had like a unique point of view on all the other right. situations. And she's had great jokes, and she's and yeah. I really want to know what she has to say. Whereas her father. And subsequently, now more and more, her mother—they've recast it as as her mother instead of her father. Uh-huh. Um, just, I don't care what you say. I don't do not care what he has to say about anything. And yeah. it's a sweet number. It's a very nice song. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. It just sounded like Frank Lesser wanted to write like a little like kind of Irish pastiche. Yeah, I'm sure it replaced a scene. I mean, I'm sure there was a scene mm-hmm. that it, that was then replaced with a song because it felt natural, but yeah. it doesn't need to be there. It no. really could have just been yeah. a scene. Like a couple lines like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, and you just like, and even like express the sentiment of saying like, more I cannot wish you. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't say it like that, obviously. But, uh, the second act of this show is just excellent. Well, the anecdote I heard was that Frank Lesser was like, um, like, I think it was Abe Burroughs that did not, like, I, they had, I can't remember who said what, mm-hmm. but, like, Frank Lesser, they didn't want to, like, someone proposed putting reprises in the second act, and and Oops. Abe Burroughs, I think, said to Frank Lesser something like, well, do you mind if I repeat some of my jokes in the second act? <laughs> and, I, like, so, um, yeah. so you get, like... But that a, is a pretty standard... That's standard operating procedure. Yeah, like, and there is one reprise. Well, yeah, there's there's the Adelaide's, Adelaide's reprise, reprise yeah. which you probably which they were like, well, I mean, it was such a showstopper. You know, well, but it is also, yeah. it's kind of necessary mm-hmm. because Act Two's opening number with "Take Back Your Mink" is so kind of bananas. Is yeah, you, she needs crazy. to have a she doesn't need another song, but she needs a moment to herself mm-hmm. to reset, and yeah. it's nice to give you a little reprise there to be like she just has new lyrics and it's all mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll just drift away. And, and especially the way that Goose take back your mink for this revival too. Like mm-hmm. it, it, I like as big as it is written to be, like it go it's like off the wall in that ninety three. Like mm-hmm. you know, because they like those dance breaks are some of the brassiest dance yeah. breaks I've ever heard in a recording. Absolutely. Yeah. But they reprise Adelaide's Lament, and yeah. then they also reprise, well, they reprise in the... the biggest afterthought of a musical finale I've right. ever heard. Just like, let's quickly sing Guys and Dolls one right. more time. During the curtain call, because yeah. whatever. Yeah, we just need to get this whatever. This thing. Because who cares? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fine. You're allowed to do that sort of thing, in a, especially in a revival. Yeah. Um, like, it almost has like a Shakespearean ending in a way. Like, they sing Married yeah, to Yeah, because everybody today, gets married, yeah. And then they, like, tricky, like, everybody gets tricked into getting married right then and there, and then they just, like, end Guys and Dolls. Well, I think I think that because Nathan and Adelaide get married, but I don't know if Sky, I don't think Sky and Sarah get married. Do they? Or um, they may, I mean, they may like pair, they certainly pair off. Well, I don't know do, if they actually they get married. You're, you're probably right. But then at the end, the way they stage it, the thing you're absolutely right about is that at the end, every guy 
has a doll to yeah. go with him on that line. So you're absolutely right about the fact that sort of visually everybody's paired off. Sure. So in that way, it's absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. sort of like, well, no, everybody has to get married because it's a comedy. Yep, yep, just, exactly. Just, just wrap this thing up and move Definition it. Definition speaking. And move it along. <laughs> so have you ever seen the show? Uh, I... Have never actually no. I've been in it, but I've never actually oh, sat and where were just you, watched it. Where were you in it? High school. Oh, and who'd you play? Uh, I played Benny South Street. Oh, okay. Which is how I. I mean, it's one of the reasons I got to know J.K. Simmons's name so mm-hmm. so quickly, like because he's the guy on the recording who's doing the thing that I did. Right. Um, and it's hmm. so tempt. Like at that age, it's just so tempting to be like. Oh well, the acting choices they're making on the CD are right. perfect. Why would anyone ever make choices that aren't that? That's so right. it's just like a lot of copying. Yeah, you know. So I was basically aping J.K. You Simmons. Just, yeah, you see, you just did it. Yeah, yeah. that's what high school's for. You, know. you learn these things. Yeah, too. then we learn about choices and right. you know, the moment making and, it your own. There is another yeah. way to read that. Mm-hmm. There is another way to do that line. Yeah, I didn't realize I f- I discovered J.K. Simmons obviously in this recording, but then. Primarily from Law and Order. Oh, really? So when he came to Spider-Man, mm-hmm. that's that's when I went. Oh, there's, that's J.K. Simmons. And then it was only later, kind of going back to this recording and sort of going reading the booklet, being like, oh, do I recognize any of these names? Because also he, so he plays Benny South Street, and then mm-hmm. Nicely Nancy Johnson is played by Walter Bobby. Yeah, more who famous. Is, right, more famous now for directing Chicago. Yeah. And just being a director, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, because he's directed performer. Chicago, he directed Venus and Fur. Like, yeah. he's directed all kinds of big, yeah. reputable stuff. And so, yeah, it's kind of funny that he's he's just sing, he's in and there playing nicely, nicely. And sing, I mean, and doing a and tremendous hell job it. with it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> such a, and again, a very distinctive performance in a way that sure. Adelaide's Lament is a distinctive performance. It's a very, very, like, that's his, that's his song. Yeah. No question about it. Mm-hmm. And it, what's interesting, too, is he's, like, looking at the liner, looking at the photos in the liner notes, mm-hmm. which, you know, I was also obsessed with because it was the only thing, yeah, it's all the only you had. way I could see it. Right. Um, he's also the only not fat Nicely Nicely yeah, Johnson I've ever true. seen. That's true. That um, is true. And so not only was he chosen, he's this guy who's mostly known as a director, but he's also... Like, kind of very specifically chosen for this role, you know, even though he's not type-wise what you'd normally cast in it. Well, one of the reasons he's he's not that type is because Nathan Lane is that type. Oh, I mean, he's I the original Nathan, whose picture I'll pull up here, was Sam Levine. Oh. As you can see, is a much more svelte individual. Sure. And I think that Nicely Nicely is usually the pleasant little rotund uh-huh. man. But I think when you have Nathan Lane, who is, I mean, he's not heavy, but he's also, he's circular and he's short. Yes. You can't have, his cronies have to not be that. Right, right. You um, have to have, like, your J.K. Simmons kind of your mug. Right. And, and both of the, and Walter Bobby's like a taller mug. I mean, yeah. he's a sort of, he's got a bow tie. But other than that, mm-hmm. he's, they're, they're just kind of. Yeah. It's hard to tell how big these guys are because their shoulder pads on their jackets sure. are just absolutely <laughs> massive. <laughs> right. Just like, I mean, they all look like they're in Cherry Pop and Daddy's. It, it's just absolutely, <laughs> if the coats weren't like, oh, if they had God. long coats, then, then they would be, they'd be totally Swing Revival, wow, that, late 96. That just... That's the other thing about this show, I think, style-wise, is that it certainly, it was right, right, it was 92. I mean, it yeah. was 92 when it opened, 93. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is primo, you know, pre-Pulp Fiction, big pastiche, but still sort of anticipating this Swing Revival mm-hmm. that's coming around the corner yeah. soon to be upon us and it certainly in style kind of hits that sweet spot so you've never seen the show you've been in the show right so you've seen it from from the stage looking out yeah um and was this how old were you when you found when you were listening to this recording I think we said, um well you were my, young obviously but i was pretty i was pretty young i mean this was in like rotation with um 
like my uh, my parents would go to New York, see shows when my dad would take work trips and they would bring back cast recordings. So oh, okay. Like this one. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so these like, were big trips up to New York. Yeah. Big trips up to New York. Um, and uh, they would bring back cast recordings like Crazy for You and uh, this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we grew up with a lot of a lot of music of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is your favorite song? Um, Guys in and Guys and Dolls, probably yeah. sit down. You're rocking the boat. I sailed away on that little boat to heaven, and by some chance found a bottle in my fist, and there I stood, nicely passing out the whiskey, but the passengers were bound to resist. For the people all said, "Beware, said, you're beware. on a heavenly trip." People all said beware, all said beware, you'll scuttle a ship, and the devil will drag you under. By the fancy tie run you with your throat. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. You're back in the boat. Down. Like I was the kid in high school who always um I mean, I was like the actual tenor in the okay. choir. I was the guy who like by my senior year I actually could hit like like A's and B's. Mm-hmm. So I loved Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat because it was it it felt like I could sing it and it was like cool that I could sing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, w- I was crushed that I didn't get nicely that I got Benny. Well, who would you want to play in this? Because I got to say, there are there is no one part that gets all the best stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. I still, I, I still, I think maybe it's my childhood and that sense of unresolved whatever sure. that makes me still wa- say nicely is the role so I you, like to play. But if you play nicely, yeah. So you have a couple of good scenes. That, I mean, you sing Fugue for Tin Horns. You see, yeah, Fugue for Tin Horns. You sing. Uh, I mean, you're in good old, the oldest established. Rusty but you don't, Charlie, who disappears. Right, who disappears. <laughs> when I saw Guys and Dolls uh, at the grade school, they did uh, Nathan sang the thir- the second part in. Few for Tin Horns mm-hmm. because they, they didn't want to try to teach some other kid to sing it. And <laughs> I got to say, like, I know why they don't do it that way, but it kind of feels it feels cheap that he doesn't. Yeah, they, they and then you sing. An entrance so, later. That's true. So you're playing nicely. You get, you get that. You get Guys and Dolls. And then, like, nothing numbers-wise until Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. Now, right. I mean, what a explosive position. Mm-hmm. If you're playing Nathan, you get... Oldest Established. Oldest Established. I mean... Sort you know, not really. A, you don't get a solo until Sumi. Is that right? Do you? It, do, do you? Does, and is that even a solo? Like it's a, well, duet. It's a duet, obviously. But you sing. No you know, you do Frank have Carl Lawyer and Sumi. Like, Sumi, what can you do me? I love you. Yeah. Like it's very. It's pretty. I much guess from an a, acting track. It really it's like is a comedy role. Right, which also explains why if you're casting Nathan Lane in it, mm-hmm. you do put that dialogue on the recording. Yeah, because that's what he does. That's that's pretty much all he does. It's what you're paying for. Right. Like, in a way, like this is the big star. And of the you show. gotta pay him to be there. I mean, he's gotta. He's he's getting his week's salary mm-hmm. for being at the recording session, whether yeah. he, whether he's singing or not. So mm-hmm. you might as well make him do some stuff. God, that just reminded me. Like one of the things I love about that track about Sumi is mm-hmm. like that moment, like which I think is totally Lane and Prince coming up with it. Like the when they have that long all right and yeah, the, where they're just holding their shrill. Voices so there for, is. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this. I might make your day if you're not. There oh. is a video of the recording of this album. Are I've you aware heard of, of this, that? But okay, I've so never seen it. It is an hour long, forty five minutes of it is on YouTube. Oh shit. Somebody uploaded it from their tape copy and parts of the tape I guess are damaged because it like it starts <laughs> not right at the beginning and it there's a part of the end where it skips. 
but it's pretty much all there. Wow. And they show, but one scene that is there is the complete recording that song. And Faith Prince talks about how. Usually that, that song is done as sort of a throwaway number for Nathan and Adelaide. And Jerry and Nathan and I kind of found a whole scene within the three verses that go on in Sumi. And um, Jerry sort of gave us cert certain inflections. And I, I sing the same end of the verse three times. When I think of the time gone by and I think of the way I try, I could honestly die. And usually it's played all the same. And I've tried to find three different responses with the same lyric. Yeah, so you should check it out. I'm it's great. It's on YouTube. I'm going to like probably as soon as we're done. And I'll <laughs> edit in that dialogue here right before we started talking. So it's appearing... Because I got this in the... I saw one show at the Cerritos Center for the Performing Arts, which is in Orange County, okay. California, when I lived out in L.A. I saw our mutual acquaintance, Melanie Waldron, in Chicago. Oh, nice. And uh, saw the show, went to the thing. And ever since then, I've gotten mailers from them, even though I haven't lived in L.A. in almost 10 years. Wow. And they just found my new address and sent me their season. <laughs> their season. So Faith Prince will be appearing at the Cerritos Center for the Performing Arts if you're in Orange County <laughs> sometime like this season. That's right. Orange well, you're County. out there. You can drive out. She's performing in something called Four Women Four. Well, I know that. Well, I mean, if it's a cabaret kind of thing, she's a hoot in cabaret. She tells great stories. Yeah, I believe I completely believe that because she told great stories during our, during yeah. our master class. I mean, going back to talking about um, Little Shop of Horrors, she sings somewhere that's green in her set, and she's it's, oh, wow. it's phenomenal. Um, and she only couldn't take that. I think she said she had to. She, she I don't remember if she got offered it or but she had to take herself out of contention because she had like an industrial gig that she couldn't oh, afford wow. to let go. She yeah. was like singing for like conference halls or something. Yeah, and at the time, it's like she. It's like off-Broadway show that I think is going to be really special. Right. Or money. Or, yeah. or next month's rent. Right. Um, and isn't that, like, what a heartbreaker. Yeah. You know, well, she did. I mean, now the story does have a happy ending. It has but a happy it, ending. But, but yeah, know, that's got to be. I wonder, how many versions of that story don't? It is also the shame of having something that distinctive. I mean, if you yeah. think if she, if she did get Audrey, she probably never would have gotten Guys and Dolls. True. And it's at, like... It's that, it's that, but she did get kind of typecast out of Guys and Dolls. She says that too. Yeah. Like she says that she probably wouldn't have gotten Guys and Dolls if she'd gotten Little yeah. Shop. But then after Guys, so she, she waited 10 years and then she got typecast in, mm. as Miss right. Adelaide. Right. I mean, which is just the terrible thing that can happen to people, especially women playing comedic mm -hmm. roles like that. Yeah. Um, because she's done television like everybody does and, mm -hmm. and she, she gives wonderful performances in House, an early episode of House, for example, and she's on Law and Order, of course. Mm -hmm. But, She's got this thing that she does, and yeah. thank God for cabarets because oh, sure. she can lean into it in a serious way in a cabaret that mm -hmm. you can't, you know, in any other opportunity. And of course, you have, and cabarets are you have this beautiful captive audience, and you can do whatever the hell you want after right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and God, she's so good in cabaret. Like she's very. She has like these eyes that are very like that. She where she can get like a laugh when she'll say she can just say something and then like blink her eyes twinkle. in a yeah. cer certain way. That's really nice. Yeah. That's so nice to hear. Mm -hmm. Well, this is great, John. Yeah. Thanks so much. So where can people find you on the, on the internet? On the internet, uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter as at John Delaporta mm -hmm. with two L's and an A at the end. Okay. Uh, on Instagram, same name. Um, and I have a uh, I have an artist page on Facebook that's nice. Uh, um, if you type in uh, John Delaporta actor, it should come up. <laughs> 
The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Tom Fish, Jeffrey Madison, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at Unknown Penguin. Subscribe to the Original Cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to John Della Porter for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Ah!